Scripture today is from the book of Matthew, chapter 3, verses 13 to 17. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, let it, let it be done now, for it is proper for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus had been baptized, just as he came up from the water, suddenly the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, the Beloved, with whom I am well pleased. Let the word of God for the people of God. Thank you, Bruce. I invite you to pray with me. Holy God, send your spirit upon us. But as your scripture has been read and your word is proclaimed, we may hear with joy what it is you have to say to us this day. Amen. Oh, what? This old thing? <laughs> Just kidding. I'm not really. I'm so proud of myself. I'm, I'm giddy. I'm giddy. So last Saturday, not yesterday, but two Saturdays ago, um, we woke up at 2.30 a.m. in Florida. If you know the conversion, that's 12.30 a.m. Colorado time. We headed to, we were in the car by 3.15, we were about 30 minutes away at 3.45, we were headed to our designated corral, like we were cattle, and standing with about 40,000 other runners ready to go at about 4.35. And that's when the worst part of the whole race began, the waiting now, the very first wave of people were sent off at 5 a.m. with music and fireworks. It's Disney World, no less. And about every 7 to 10 minutes, I don't know, I was not clocking it well, they would send another group off for the race, leaving the rest of us just kind of packed in and slowly shuffling towards the start line. I was with my best friend, Trudy, and two of her daughter's friends, you know, because her daughter and son ran, or and son-in-law ran the full marathon. There was chatting and stretching and lots of excitement, but I could barely speak, other than to mutter, I hope I make it, just about every so often, because inside I was battling the voices. What in the world do you think you're doing, they said. You're slow. Remember when you ran track in seventh grade and you were the slowest one out there? You've never been athletic 
just awkward and clumsy, and now you're middle-aged and overweight. How in the world do you think you are going to finish this? You didn't even finish your training. You blamed it on being sick about three times between November and December, but it was really just laziness. You haven't even finished a run over eight miles. No way you're doing 13.1 today. And to think you've been training for this all year, it will be such a pity to let yourself down. You know those voices. Maybe they say different things to you. But I have never met anyone who hasn't heard them. Maybe not always in the middle of the day, but maybe when you're trying to decide an important decision, or waking you up at the middle of the night, or not letting you go to sleep at all. They're called ruminations. According to the OCD and Anxiety Center, Rumination is defined as engaging in a repetitive, negative thought process that loops continuously in the mind without end or completion. This pattern can be distressing, difficult to stop, and usually involves repeating a negative thought or trying to solve an evasive problem. It can look like worrying about a future event, replaying a past scenario, or trying to predict how something will play out. Sometimes it's just turning the same thought in circles without much variation, because the act of rumination tends to consume a lot of time and emotional energy. It can have serious consequences for one's mental health. Or in my case, last Saturday... Ruminations threatened my ability to accomplish a goal that I had been training for for 12 months. So it's kind of in my head, but finally I kind of caught like a little, you know, um, tune of a conversation that my running partners were having. And I heard my friend Trudy say, you know, they say that your mind will give out long before your body does. So that kind of caught my attention. And we started talking about how we could psych each other up to run this distance. And then we were off. Thankfully, Trudy stayed with me. I did kind of keep her back. Every once in a while, she'd be running and realize I was not there. She had to wait for me. But we encouraged each other by saying things like, we're doing it, or we are going to finish it. And we did. And it was one of the coolest things I've ever done. And yes, it was awesome because I ran 13.1 miles. But actually, it was more awesome that at least for the moment, the voices in my head have started to tell a different story. Wow, they say. You're amazing. You did it. You're strong, and you can do anything. You can change the world. I don't want to tell the voices that maybe they're overestimating me a little bit, but I'm just going to let it go. 
Now, when, John, when Jesus went to the Jordan to be baptized by John, no doubt there were many voices running through his head. Who are you saying you're the Son of God? You're a simple carpenter. You've lived a very uneventful life thus far. What do you think you're doing? After all, not only was Jesus fully divine, but Jesus was also fully human, and so he was not immune to the worries and anxieties of humanity. Did he break out in a cold sweat as he approached the river? Did his hands tremble and his breath come unsteadily as John helped him down into the water? Did he gasp with fear and trembling as he emerged? Whatever it was that he thought, when he was upright and standing before those gathered, a voice spoke from the heavens, This is my Son, my Beloved, with whom I am well pleased. Was this voice simply a declaration to those in attendance so that they could hear, oh yeah, this is God's son, and go and spread the news? Or was this a voice speaking directly to the heart of Jesus as a soundbite, an echo, a mantra to counteract those other ruminations that loomed in the background like black clouds threatening to destroy self-esteem, confidence, and worth. This is my son. This is my child, my beloved, with whom I am well pleased. I don't know what ruminates in your head or in your heart, but likely there's something. Maybe there are many somethings, maybe from your past, that hang over your head and distort your sense of self. Maybe it's a fragment of a conversation from your childhood or a mistake that you made in your youth, or even yesterday. Or maybe it's a bad memory or trauma that replays itself in your dark times, and you have, without thought, made it a foundational part of who you are, even though it's negative and harmful. So how can we stop these intrusive and damaging thoughts. I know I've developed a little four-point plan for myself from some therapy and also from other reading and research. And these are the things that I try to step through when I am recognizing intrusive thoughts. One is to recognize those intrusive thoughts and then to disrupt them or stop them. And sometimes you even have to tell those ruminations out loud, stop it, stop it. Maybe you can do it internally, but I have been known to just say it out loud. 
to test those thoughts. Are they helping me? Maybe ask yourself. Are they true? Ask yourself. Test the thoughts and why you're having them. Three, take some time for mindfulness, for meditation, for reflection, for prayer. Ground yourself in who you are, in your body, in your being. And number four, start to rewrite the story by focusing on your positive traits and flip that narrative. You're not a failure. You've learned how to be persistent. You're not weak. You have been strong in learning from that experience. Of course, if intrusive thoughts are consistent and detrimental to your mental health, I encourage you to go talk to a doctor or a therapist. And of course, this particular weekend, especially in considering um, the civil rights movement, the visual poem that we watched, and the words and work of Martin Luther King Jr., we know that there are voices that come from the hateful voice of racism, and no four-point plan is going to get rid of those voices. It will take the work of us all to dismantle those. But all of us can benefit from rewriting the foundations of our story and know that we don't have to do anything to have worth. We are worthy because we are. Because God created us and delights in us. The Reverend Penny A. Nash writes, I think on God's declaration of belovedness toward Jesus and toward us just for being and hope that perhaps we could all find our way forward through taking a similar stance to God's stance on humanity. I hope that we might learn to imitate Christ in loving our neighbors near and far, folks who are familiar and folks who yet are yet as, are as yet strangers, loving them simply because they are. I hope that we might simply love, not only because we are loved, but also because God loves. And through Lauren, we are reminded that Martin Luther King Jr. reminds us that there is power in that love. And it starts with loving ourselves, allowing ourselves to be new creations and never defined by our past. So this week, I invite you to pay attention to the voices. And if any voice threatens to take over or remind you that you are not worthy, let God's voice be louder a soundbite, an echo, a mantra, saying, you are my child, my beloved, and with you I am well pleased. I pray these have been the words of the Lord for us this day. Amen.